beautiful and it's moving and it deserves a clap, right? Now in saying that, I know we got some folks online, I'm looking at you right into the camera and, and, and you got your own story, right? And we don't judge that. So here's all we're asking. We made this announcement two weeks ago, three weeks ago. We are a mask optional church from that point forward. And what that means is in addition to being a multi-ethnic and a multi-generational, we are a multi-opinionated church, all right? We're all different places. And we just ask you to not try to judge or figure out of why aren't they wearing a mask or why are they wearing a mask. We, we just want you to do your part when people come into this room. To, we, want, we don't want them to feel anything except, I'm so glad you're here, right? Whatever, whatever, whatever. So that's all, that's our only job, right? So we're trusting God um, to do all kinds of things as we slowly, gradually transition back um, from a half online, half here, or, you know, it was a lot more online there for a while. Uh, so we're putting all that in God's hands. We're going to be in one service um, until the, the, the volunteers come back and the numbers dictate and, you know, our kids' rooms will probably get full quicker than this room. And when that happens, we'll give you a, hopefully a little bit of warning of, hey, we're going back to our uh, two services, which we were in pre-pandemic. But uh, right now we're loving the 1015 and we're going at it. And I hope... I hope it's been long enough in this that we can have a little fun, at least with the title, um, as you've seen. This series today is called Herd Immunity. Clever, isn't it? Uh, and it's not about the pandemic. You don't need to hear a message series about the pandemic. But I will tell you, I'm a numbers guy. I'm an analytical guy. And it's laughable now. But a year ago, or at least 13 months ago, May of 2020, Man, I had to figure this out, right? So on my table, my dining room table, I had charts and graphs of the cases uh, globally, nationally, and in North Carolina. And I was tracking the numbers and I was gonna figure this out of how soon we could get out and how soon we get back to normal. And I had my own theories and formulas and, and I was looking at this source, looking at that source. And, and then I started hearing this phrase, herd immunity. I'm like, oh, we, we got to get there, right? We got to get to this herd immunity because when we get to herd immunity, that's when everything's good. So there's all kinds of ways to get there. There's some bad ways to get there. And there's some, you know, vaccinations, not vaccinations. How many people got it? how long it stays in you, antibodies, all this stuff. But herd immunity, hey, when we get to whatever percentage, but here's the problem. These scientists, God bless them, right? They should go to like the same school with the same professor and agree on something. But they, some like, if we get to 50%, like, that's herd immunity. No, we got to get to 80%. I was like, I don't care what, we'll get to one. We just got to get, so I'm going to pray it. I'm going to do my part where it was a year ago, right? Little did I know. And then a few months ago, I'm watching, did you see this? smart PhD people on TV. Like the, I would think like the best of the best get on TV. This dude, it's not just one dude, but this dude, I'm watching, I almost fall out of my chair. He says, yeah, we're probably never gonna get to herd immunity. I've been working. I've been doing everything I can do as one man to get us to herd immunity. And now the experts are saying, yeah, we may never get there. And it's like, you know what? Forget it. You know what? I'm gonna work on what I can work on. I'm gonna try to lead my family, lead uh, this church and herd immunity is gonna be what it's gonna be. But what we did get out of that whole thing is a sermon series, right? <laughs> but here's, what, here's the H-E-R-D, here's the H-E-R-D, herd immunity. Here's the definition. All right, this is like a, not a scientific, but I just found this an easy definition. Have enough of it out there so it doesn't affect you. Meaning, if, if you get enough people with the antibodies in the community, if you have enough of that going, then you don't have to worry about it. It's kind of backwards. Like we need a lot of people to have it. And the more that you have it, if, if we get whatever percentage that have it or have had it or back whatever, then we're all immune and nobody has to worry about it because it can't spread. 
right? That's herd immunity, but that's, that's not what we're talking about the next four weeks. We're talking about H-E-A-R-D, herd immunity, and as a gospel-centered church, you might know where we're going. Here's, here's what it means. It's when you have enough of the gospel, just a little bit, for it to not really affect you. Hmm? Right? It's, it's, we're in a culture. We went to Haiti one time or several times on a mission trip, and, and the mission there was awesome, but they would take us out like to the, the outskirts of Haiti, right? To, in our culture, it'd be like Anger, right? Out where like, there's more <laughs> animals than people, right? So they took us to the outskirts of Haiti and to these places, and we would show it's called the Jesus film. It's translated in all these different languages. And there would, not everybody, but I promise you, there would be people that come, they would hear this, they would watch this Jesus movie in Creole, and they would lose their minds because they had no idea. It's like watching a movie for the first time. They didn't know the characters. They didn't know the plot. They didn't know anything. When Jesus died, like they were sobbing, like they were crushed, right? And then when he rose from the dead in, in this movie, like they were dancing and partying and going nuts. And we'd see people come to Christ at the very edge, outskirts of, of Haiti. We don't live in Haiti, right? We, it is very difficult to find anyone in this culture that hasn't heard Jesus, church, gospel, something, right? And here's the thing. When you, and I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you, I don't know what you think when you hear those words, but everybody thinks, oh yeah, I know what, I know, yeah, I got that. We live in a 2021 in an American culture where the gospel, I mean, we've heard it, some of us have actually heard it, some of us think we heard it and we haven't, but either way, like we got just enough of it that maybe we're missing the power that God wants us to live in. So the title of this message, the, 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 the four weeks is Herd Immunity, but each one has a, has a title. Today is, is entitled, Stop Me, if you've heard this before. Right, everybody knows that person, and sometimes we love them, sometimes they get on nerves. You know that person in your life that they don't know they're telling the same story? Oh yeah, mm, don't point at them if they're here. Right, sometimes they know they're telling it, they just like to tell the same story, but the the... Man, the heart of that phrase is, and I've used it like, hey, stop me if I've told you this before, because I'm talking to different people, and sometimes like I'm celebrating wins and what God's doing in our church in a gospel-centered, forever focus. Man, when we see people start to live for forever and believe in it's coming, it's closer than it's ever been, and let that affect their life when we're centered on the gospel, not on Sunday morning, but on Saturday night with a multi-ethnic church, we see God do what only God could do, what he planned to do in his church. Man, I get fired up. It's like, hey, have I told you? But then I like, I don't want you to have to sit through the same story. I already told you. So I might say, hey, stop me if I've told you this before. And it takes a good friend to say, yeah, you've told me. Like most people are like, they just, you know, suffer through, right? But it comes from that, like, man, I don't want you to have to hear something that you've already heard. All right, my family is down here. Some of my family is down here on the front row and he is now in heaven. Um, but uh, my wife's grandfather, we called him granddaddy, he was the most storytelling dude in history of the world, right? Uh, like more than Jesus. He just told stories. He wrote books and he, he memorized them all and um, he would retell them. And I think he knew he was retelling them. Um, I don't, he didn't care, but, but I heard it. Like I came in the family and I knew him for a few years and or a few decades. And, and I know some of his stories just because he told them and told them and told them. I'll share with you one quick one. He would talk about, I'll probably mess it up, talk about the dude, uh, the blind guy who went into the store with his seeing eye dog. And uh, he picked up his dog by the tail and started just swinging him. And the owner was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, looking around. 
No? Our Joy, our, one of our pastors, has given me the... <laughs> right, but there's sometimes, and this is where, you know, I disagree with others on about humor. Like, there's some things, if it's funny, it gets more funny. Right, if you drive it, my kids blame me or accuse me of driving things into the ground. Right? Right, just when you're sick of it is when it gets really funny to me. Right? <laughs> but it's not just me, it's you too. I can prove it, right? Because... Right, listening to something that you've already heard or watching something that's bad over and again, like that's a pain, that's brutal, but how about some audience participation? Online, you can type it into the chat and I'm gonna ask you in a second, but think about this, put it on the screen, the question. What is a movie or a TV show that you've seen over and over and over and over and over? I don't know how many times, but you could watch it 10 more times, no problem. Lion King, the old one, the original, the new, okay. Princess Bride? What do you say? Remember the Titans? What do you got, Ernest? Tombstone. I'll be your Huckleberry. <laughs> Did I miss one over here, Kelly? Did you you got to be my ears. Okay. All right. How about a TV show? What's a, not a movie, but a TV show. You've seen it. You know what happens, but you go watch it today. Office, West Wing, Andy Griffith, and a bunch more that I couldn't make out with all the marble and rubble, right? But that's crazy, right? What's that prove? It proves y'all need to get some new shows. No, it proves just because you've heard it before doesn't mean it's not worth hearing again, right? There's some things that are, they got what we call what? Staying power, right? I argue this with my kids. Right? They're, they're watching shows that they already seen. And I do the same thing, but not like them. Right? They're watching documentaries. They're watching you know, Disney Plus, whatever. And I'm like, there's live sports on. No script. You know what's going to happen. Give me the live sports. Yesterday was a hard day for me. Pray for your pastor. First Saturday in a long time that I wasn't watching my kid play and there was no basketball on until 7.30. All these games, there was nothing Saturday afternoon, right? But, but it's, it's sports today. There's a ton of games. And you may think you know, but you don't know. It's unscripted unless you're a conspiracy theorist, which I don't want to hear about, right? That's the beauty. Nobody knows what's going to happen, right? Hmm. Even when you know, as we get into spiritual, like where God's taken us as a church, even if you know the gospel, you don't know the script. You don't know that's the fun of this. And, you know, you could say, I've even been accused of, man, you kind of preach the same message every week, which is a compliment, by the way. We're centered on the gospel, so everything we're going to preach on is going to come out of the gospel, like forever. That's all we got, right? What do you want to hear? You want to hear what brilliant stuff I came up with this week? <laughs> we could clear this place out. And, and in some ways that, here, here, let me just speak to two groups. Everybody falls into one online in the room. You're in one of these groups, right? Either you're a skeptic and a skeptic is all kinds of, you know, spectrum of, I don't believe in God. I believe there's a God. I just don't know what that means. I, I, I'm good with God. This Jesus, I'm not sure. Uh, I want to believe. I just can't quite, all kinds of people in this bucket, right? If you're, if you're anywhere of that, and you'd say, 
I think I've heard this before. I, I would say maybe you haven't. And here's why I say that, not to judge you, not to come at you. Over and over and over and over again in my life, especially in my ministry, I sat down in small group Bible study one-on-one across the table with people that were confident that they knew it. And then after we talked about the gospel, they said some version of, why have I never heard this before? That's really encouraging. It's why we planted the church, right? Not because Wake County needed another church. We got plenty, right? And we're all on the same team. We don't judge other churches. But the reality is that there's 700,000, conservatively, 700,000 plus people in Wake County that don't really understand the gospel and what it means to them. So there's a lot of folks that, and maybe you have heard it, skeptics, but we believe that something in, in Romans, it tells us the gospel is the power of God, which way, the way we say that is the, the gospel does the heavy lifting. So when you hear the gospel, you hear what Jesus did for you and why he did it, that he wants to rescue and adopt you, the incredible news, when that happens in your heart and your life, even before you believe it or follow it or trust it, there's something supernatural happening. It's the power of God. Lean in. There's another group of people that would say, I follow Jesus, right? We call them Christians sometimes but I like to call them followers of Jesus because that makes more sense. Easier to understand. Followers of Jesus. You don't just believe something, you're following him. And for us that are followers of Jesus, it is easy to get into that place of saying, I've heard this, right? You wanna, you wanna see me in uh, angry dad mode, right? You, wanna, you know, I don't know if all dads are like this. We got Father's Day in a couple weeks, so... Um, we won't, we'll talk good that day, but, but all, most dads, they got a few things or phrases that just like send them off, right? Here, here's, here's mine, two words. It's actually four words the way my kids say it. They repeat it. They say, I'm getting ready to tell them something important. Hey, I know, I know. Oh, no, you don't know. You so little know. You're so far from knowing because if you knew, you wouldn't say, I know, I know. Ah, it runs all over me, but all right, pray for me. I know, I know. It is so easy. All right, I'm preaching this. It is so natural in my humanity. The gospel, Jesus died on a cross, he rose from the dead. I, I, I know, I, I'm good, I'm not against it. I just, I know that, like give me something else. There is nothing else. Like we gotta sit in this because if we just hear it so much without letting it really sink, like if you felt what God was doing in the room 10, 15 minutes ago, right? It's alive. It's real again today. But if you don't, if you don't let God push and, and if you don't soak in the reality of the gospel, by the way, I talked about two groups. I should say this, right? Because God's moving in our church, just getting some crazy texts this week about people wanting to make decisions for Jesus when you're ready to trust, doesn't mean you got it all figured out, doesn't mean everything makes sense, but when you're ready to trust, when you're ready to go from, I'm not sure, skeptic to, I want to follow Jesus, I'm going to need some help, but, but I want to give him my life, the, the, the step for you is something called baptism, right? So you, could, we, you don't have to wait for a baptism Sunday, any day. You can email us, you can reach out to us through the website through this morning and say, hey, I want to talk about baptism, I want to say that. So... We're not saying we're safe, right? We're just going to preach the same thing. But we're, I mean, if you've been around here, like, we ain't safe. In the last two years, we preached about stuff that you might not hear a lot. Like, we preach pretty boldly about my history, my addiction. We preach about 
pornography. We, we, we preached about white privilege. We preached about how you can be pro-police and anti-police brutality. Like we preached on, on race issues, uh, sexuality issues, abortion issues. Like we're not scared, like, but it's all out of what does the gospel take us on these, on these issues? And it's, it's actually the opposite of safe. It's actually dangerous. Because what we're asking you to do as a community is, hey, every week, let's take another step. Every day, let's take another step of the truth of who I am is who you say I am. Confidence and undefeated, like he's all that and his power and he knows my name and he has a plan and he invites me into it. And it's not just about gathering on Sunday. No, not at all. It's about your marriage, your dorm room, your future, your finances, your schedule, your relationships, your confidence, your call from a holy, almighty God who knows your name. Right, that's it. That's never going to get old. So we're, stop if you've heard me this before. No, no, we're going to keep coming with not the same old thing. It's the same new thing, right? Not the same old thing. It's the same thing, but it's new every day. That, that phrase and the songs we sing from that come from a, a book in the Old Testament called Lamentations. Chapter 3 says this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Right? Seth was, was taking us there a second ago so beautifully. We need to hear that and just sit in that. What has happened in your life? Some of you we haven't seen in a while, but even if you were here last Sunday, seven days, a lot can go down. What has happened? What crushed you this week? What excited you this week? What are you doubting? If you don't have doubts, I don't understand that. I have doubts. And just to sit in, man, the steadfast love of the Lord, that God's consistent, never-ending, relentless love, it's still here. And it's still true. For us, yes, but for you. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every morning, I think, would include June 6th, 2021, right? Again today, his mercies are new. What does that mean? That means his relentless love that applies Jesus' blood on the cross to your sin, that your faith in him activates this amazing mercy that cleans and clears and erases the worst of you, all that you are in your humanity, all that you can't be, that he becomes your righteousness. He's the defender, like we sang about, he is, he, I am righteous in him, that all that mercy that God looks at me and all that he could see if he wasn't a merciful, gracious God. And today, this morning, again, he sees a righteous, holy, clean son. Man, I got to sit in that every single day. It's not the same old thing. It's the same new thing. So I want to look today uh, at a letter that, you know, when people talk about Jesus and all that he said, all that we have recorded in the Gospels and he gave kind of like a, a end of, you know, a last speech that we look at. It's called the, the Great Commission, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. It's a little, it's a multi-ethnic was in that, like, here's what I, my church is going to do. And but actually, none of that was the last thing he said. The actual last thing he said was after he left the earth that, that we have recorded. I mean, he still speaks today, but uh, through John, which was, 
one of Jesus' right-hand guys, Jesus appeared and gave a vision. We know it as the last book in the scripture the, called Revelation. But in that, Jesus writes a letter, gives a speech to seven different churches. It's crazy that Jesus, you know, people, you know, you hear this, um, you know, I'm all into Jesus, but I, I'm not, not the church. Well, Jesus is very into his church. Like Jesus and the church cannot be separated biblically. And, he, and, and we're going to look at what he said, and he talks to all these churches, and he, it's very specific, which is crazy because it reminds us, like, Jesus sees all of his church globally worshiping him today across the world. He also sees relentless church. Like, he sees specific churches and weaknesses and strengths. Wow, that's a crazy thought. But, but we're going to look just a few verses he says to a church in Ephesus, and all you need to know is at the time of this, Ephesus was like uh, New York City today. It was... It was where it was at. It was the center of finance and commerce and entertainment. It was crazy religious. It was kind of like New York with some Vegas mixed in. All right. So it was, they had a, they had a temple there. Like you come into church, some of you are coming back to church. They had a temple there. And what you did is you would, you would enter the temple and you would pick a prostitute. Right? And you would do your business and then you would go home. And where have you been? I've been to church. That, that was normal. Right? Google me, right? I'm not making this up. So this was, this was like the pagan, crazy Greek insanity, do anything and everything and celebrate it. And there was some Jewish presence as well. It's, it's today, uh, modern day Turkey, which is a whole nother craziness, right? But Ephesus here, and there's a church. So the gospel shows up in Ephesus and these people never heard of Jesus. They didn't see Jesus die on the cross. They didn't see him raised from the dead. They don't believe. They don't even like, what are you talking about? And the gospel does what it still does today. It just broke people down and changed their lives and their hearts. And they're like, I'm going to follow this Jesus that I've never seen. Right? So now there's a church of Jesus followers in Ephesus. And here's what Jesus says to them. Revelation 2. I know your works, your toil. And your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. So Jesus is complimenting. I know your patient endurance, like you see, and you're calling stuff for what it is. In that culture, as in today, there is pressure to call stuff that's evil not that evil, and they were not falling to that, and Jesus was thankful. Verse 3, he said, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Man, I want that to be true of us. We're just keep coming with the gospel and not growing weary. There's been weary moments, but you can have weary moments without actually growing weary by falling back on the strength of Jesus. So he was complimenting on that. But then he said this in verse four, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Sounds like they were they weren't to give up church. They weren't to quit church. They had patient endurance. He wasn't lying. He wasn't buttering them up. Jesus doesn't do that. I'm going to make up some good stuff to get to the stuff like in the end of year evaluation with your boss, right? Like, Just get to what you want to say, dude, right? If it wasn't that. Jesus was like, no, I love this about you. I love that you're doing stuff. I love you're standing for the truth. I love that you're not giving up. I love your patient endurance. I love your involvement in the community. I love all that, but I got one problem. You've abandoned, what an awful word. You've abandoned, what? The love 
that you started with. That's why we we got to talk about this because we live, some of you have known Jesus for more of your life than you haven't. And it's easy to fall in. I've heard this, right? And you don't say that and you're not, but, but yeah, I've been doing this. I got this. And I know, I know. Stop. It's so easy to do, right? We've talked about that. Our worship leader, Vasti Rodriguez, who uh, was not here today, if you didn't notice, is we, we got to be a part of her uh, wedding last weekend, amazing, beautiful, multi-ethnic ceremony. She's honeymooning um, now and, and, and as newlyweds, right? You guys that are married, you remember, it's just different in those early days, right? We're not, well, that's not a bad thing. It's just different, right? We're, we're coming up on, this is our Kobe year. This is our 24th anniversary coming in a few months. And, and there's some similarities in our marriage and maybe Vasti's, but there's a lot that's different. Why? Because they've been married a week, right? And doesn't mean we don't love each other. We do, right? But there's just some things at the beginning and, and embrace it, right? Like that's a good thing. It's just some things that are at the beginning it doesn't mean the love stops, but some of that beginning crazy stuff, it's there at the beginning, right? It's emotion, it's newness, it's feeling that doesn't necessarily help 10, 20, 30, 40 years in when you just can't agree on whatever, right? So... That's not where Jesus, he's not saying, hey, you're going to be real excited at first, and then it's going to, you know, it may be a little different, but he's not saying that. What's the word he used? He used the word abandoned. He's saying the church in Ephesus, it's not that you've kind of, you know, lost a little bit of your step, a little bit of your energy. He's saying you've abandoned, you've turned away from the love that you had at first. I would love to like go off on the church of Ephesus and what's your problem and how can you do that? Jesus died. He did all he did. Except for, man, I get it. I've been following Jesus in some way for 30 some years. And I totally understand what it means to abandon the love that I first had when I understood what Jesus did for me. Dangerous. And what's our answer to that? It's not to be an I know, I know frame of mind. Our answer to that is, hey, I want to hear it, but I don't want to stop at hearing it. I want to sit my life in it. Our church was centered in the gospel. Gospel centered, forever focused, multi-ethnic movement. How are you? You got to have a plan, church, this week. How are you going to center your life in the gospel? How is it not going to get stale? How are you going to grow in it and just keep reaching for it and never abandon the love you had at first? And the answer is to focus your mind on the gospel. And the answer is to focus on what Jesus actually did for you. It's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. The things that you've named that you love about the movies or the TV shows, that's great. The difference is it's fiction. Nobody named a documentary. I just watched this documentary. If, you, if, you, if that's you, then don't say it out loud. We're going to judge you if you just watch a documentary over and over. What works with the gospel is that it's true. 
And you got to keep coming back to it. If you've been with us since the beginning in the theater days, you're like, hey, okay, got the gospel. Now what? You're never going to get an answer. We never graduate. We just continue to go deeper and in sitting into what the gospel does in a multi-ethnic community and how that transforms us. And if it's transforming us, then it's going to transform our workplaces. It's going to transform our cities. It's going to transform our schools. It's going to transform our neighborhoods. We are going to see what we pray and want all along, change in the world. And it starts with sticking tight to what everything is based on, the love between a God and his people, and now our chance to return that love back to him. Isn't it crazy? We should probably work this scripture into every message we ever preach Isn't it crazy that they were trying to test Jesus with all kinds of crazy questions and they came to him with, hey, we got hundreds and hundreds of Jewish commandments and some people say this from God, old law, new law, what what could cover? Like, hey, just break it down for us, Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? Right, Like, like the kid who comes to the teacher before the test, teacher's been teaching his or her guts out for three months. Here comes the big final. Hey, what do I need to study the most? Right? You were that kid. You lots laughed. Right? It's like everything. I don't teach it. Right? So they're coming to Jesus. I'm saying there ain't no ways. Like, who's gonna answer that question? Jesus is God in flesh. And this dude's like, I know, I know this dude. Right? Sometimes, you know, I, I, if you need to wear a mask, feel free and safe. But some of you, you know, I I need to see your faces. It was hard to preach into a full mask because I don't know where you're at. Right? So this dude was probably. Daydreaming, texting, doing whatever. He wasn't really listening. And then he's like, oh, Jesus is wrapping up. Hey, hey, before you go. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what's the big, like, I, wanna, I want this to end well for me. What's the most important thing that you've said? Just sum it up in one line. I would have rebuked that dude, but Jesus. Here it is, Matthew 22. Teacher, what, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus answered, Love the Lord with your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. It's not A and B. It is connected in it. Love your neighbor as yourself. How am I doing at not abandoning the first love between me and God? You want to test your own? You want to check your own heart, how you're doing in loving God? How are you doing loving your neighbor? That's, that's kind of the outward, like, here's how I'm doing. Because the more I love God and don't abandon what he did for me and what he did for me, cleaned me, bought me, rescued me, adopted me, the more I sit in that, the more I'm going to love you. You might not earn it. You might tick me off on the road. You might do all kinds of things. That, but you know what? At the end of the day, man, the closer and the more I'm soaking in the gospel, the more I got nothing for you but love. Sometimes the best way I can love you is Walk away, or I'm just not going to engage in that foolishness. But somehow, some way, I'm going to love you. I just want to start this series, and we got some cool places to go the next few weeks. But if any part of your heart, God loves me, I know, I know. Ah, oh, it's so dangerous because I know, I know is the bridge to abandoning. It doesn't mean you're hating God. Like These people were doing all kinds of great stuff for God. But they were doing it outside of sitting. And the most important thing, loving God with all your heart. How do you love him? You sit and dwell on what he did with you. Listen, 
It's for me. It's when I wake up. If I, sometime before I really go after it, if I will sit quietly and it doesn't get old, it always comes through, but I'll skip it some days. There's no sense with it. If I'll just sit and just think about, sometimes it's a prayer, sometimes it's just meditating. It's just sitting in the reality. This is not a game. There's a God who hears my prayers. He knit me together. He put me, he is my creator, but he's more than that. He's my father and I have a relationship of love. And the reason I do is because Jesus came to get rid of everything that separated me and to buy me back with his own blood because that's how bad he wanted me to be in connection and relationship and joy and delight with him. And it's easier, it's easier to preach that than it is to sit in it on Monday morning tomorrow if God gives it. It is. It's so much easier to say the truth than just to stop and, then it, and, and let it just rain on my heart. But I'm telling you, it will affect your day and your life. You've got to be proactive. We've got to be proactive at not abandoning the love that everything is based on. And that'll come with all kinds of beautiful action. We, 14 years ago in a few months, um, we were at an appointment. We had Jackson and Mia, our two, they were two at the time, and Kelly was pregnant. My wife was pregnant with now Eli and Routine appointments until we got to the appointment. Um, we got some issues and we got this and that and, and way too early for baby to come, but baby's trying to come. So we got to do something. And I had appointments. I remember looking at the doctor and was like, hey, I've got a four o'clock. And they're like, no, you're going to be here for days, sir. Like I had no idea like we were in a serious situation. So turns out um, in order to get uh, Kelly far enough into her pregnancy to give birth and be healthy and all that, that we were going to be on bed rest. Now, that's not abnormal. We were on crazy, like the end of the extreme bed rest. Like Kelly, should, she could breathe, sort of. That's all she was allowed to do. Like she could not get out of the bed for anything but the bathroom for three months. All right? Now, some of y'all know me. I've come a long way. So think of a more immature version of me with a wife that can't get out of bed and two two-year-olds. Man, I just, I just stepped up my game. Now, come on, right? You know better than that, right? This amazing woman here on the front row, Kelly's mom, she, she retired earlier than she had planned on, so she could come from North Carolina up to Kentucky to help us out, and, and our, my, my parents, her parents were amazing. But with that, with all that we had going, it was the family of God. Yes, it was our family that we live with and our extended family, but right there with them, it was people that we only were connected with through Jesus. They served us. They cooked for us. They took kids places. They did what needed to be done. They did a ton of things that I don't even, I'm not even aware of. It was beautiful. It was humbling. It was amazing. You're a part of that. Amazing. It's not a group. It's not an assembly. It's the family of God. We take care of each other. That has been the biggest struggle because we couldn't figure out how to take care of each other when we can't be in the room or the hospital room together over the last year. It's been heartbreaking, but praise God we're coming out of it and we're recommitting. Man, we're, we're not going to abandon the love that God has put in us. And how do we know if we got it? When we start loving on each other. 
when your radar is so up, oh, tell me a family that needs help. Whatever kind of help, I can't give this kind of help, but I could give this kind of help, but it's not just in here. You know people right now, you're gonna see them tomorrow. You know people that are just broken. Man, I should pray for them. Yes, you should, but God's gonna activate in those prayers some way for you to love them. That's what we do. Here's the last verse that he said. After he called them out for abandoning the love you had at first, he gave them an instruction. So kind of set us up for next week. Verse five. Remember therefore, Revelation 2.5. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. That's some serious words. We don't have time to get all the lampstand language. But Jesus is saying this is a big Deal, I won't con- can continue to shine through you, church, if you start to do ministry not based on the love. All right, I was talking to some of you before service, your first Sunday back in quite a while. We're so glad to have you. But it's not just, it's all of us that constantly need to be reminded, love God with all our heart and love our neighbor, never abandon the love. And he gave us a formula or, or an instruction He connected repentance and remembering. We just finished our remember series. Remember and repent. That comes right after don't abandon. You're like, man, I don't ever want to abandon the love that I have for God or that God has. I don't want, like, how do I do that? You remember, 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 remember. Make it part of your day. Make it part of your lunch break. Put it in your phone. Take some time to remember I'm alive and free. God has bought me. I'm going to live forever in paradise with no death, no cancer, no pandemic, no nothing. He has made me righteous. He loves me. He proved it. He's going to give me more and more faith the more I trust him. I just need to sit in that before I go out into this crazy day. Remember, and a word that we don't love as much as remember, repent. Repent is not what you do when you put all your sins on the altar and you come to Christ. And Repent is a constant thing. I'm constantly turning from my humanity, from the, from the selfish, sinful desires that are in me. If you need to get back to the love that you had at first, repentance is the bridge to get there. I turn from my sin. I turn from my selfishness. I turn from living for myself. Every day I need to have that reminder. Let me paint this picture for you as we close. Let's say you're going home today, right? You worshiped, you received the word, you're gonna love somebody with just, sometimes it's just your eyes, sometimes it's just a smile, right? It's really hard these days that you gotta read people, right? Or they want me to come near for a hug or they want, stay away. Like you gotta, you gotta have all kinds of antennas and radars, but you can love some people as you walk out. Let's say you, you go, you, tonight you're sitting wherever you sit, if you sit and you're sitting at a chair and you, and you go, you're like, you know what? Before I go into this week, I, I want... I want a snack on something, right? Snacking is from God, right? Jesus snacked. You see it in scripture. Stop, get a little, get a little something, right? And you go to, to wherever you keep snacks and there's, there's a beautiful bag, all right, of, of cantina lightly salted tortilla chips. Right? And you get that and you get your beverage of choice and you go and you sit down to wherever you're just gonna enjoy this and you open the bag and you take that first bite. And they're stale. Mm. That's a sin, y'all. The person who didn't clip the bag, right? The person who left them open, like they think, oh, it's just a mistake. No, that's a sin at our house. Chips, 
stale. Oh, there's nothing worse. Just throw it like, and sometimes if you're really hungry, what do you do? You just angrily eat a bunch of stale chips. They're not even good, but you eat them anyway. Uh, salsa will clean up the stale, right? If the salsa's good, the chips can be okay. The staleness that we got to fight through, y'all. Jesus is never stale. He's never stale, but it can feel Jesusness, Christianity, church, right, culture, it can feel stale. I've heard this, right? It's, it's, it's old, it's worn, like, okay, I know, I know, right? And the answer with the chips is I'm going to the store. If I'm mad, I'm going to the store right now. I don't care what time it is, and I'm going to get some fresh chips, right? The answer with Jesus is not, to, it's not him, it's not to change him. How? you keep it from being stale you put everything you have in not abandoning the love that you had at first he never gets stale he's alive he's got a beautiful plan for our lives he's got power even in this series that he wants to throw on us but we got to humbly come not with i know i know not with Stop if you've heard this before, but no, I can't get enough. You know how I know my heart is getting a little sideways with God? When I stop getting really excited about people far from him. Right, when I stop getting really excited about getting into people's lives who are far from God, I know I need a heart check. Because when you know that there's a God who does save, who does all the stuff we sang about, when you know it and you've tasted it and God puts in front of you another man, another woman, another child that doesn't know, that doesn't believe there's hope, that doesn't believe there's anything, that thinks this is random, that thinks the best thing this life has is to get yours, when God puts you in front of somebody like that, oh, your heart starts to beat for them to have the hope that you have. That's who we are, church. It's not stale. It's alive. Who knows what God's going to do if he gives us June 13th to regather here next week? Who knows what he's going to do in your marriage this week? Who knows what he's going to do if you'll sit and remember and repent and base the coming days on the love? Maybe that you had it first. Maybe that you're going to about to get even through this series. I want to pray that over you, and we're going to call it a day. Father, I thank you for this truth. God, we're thankful to live where we live, but we're just admitting that we've heard a lot of this. We've heard the name of Jesus. We've heard about a cross. We've heard about our sins. Most of us, God, if not all of us, have heard this more times than we can count. And we want to fight and push back against that becoming stale because you're not stale. You're so alive. You're so new. Your mercies. Even this morning, you're reminding us of how good and how present and how faithful and how new you are. Thank you. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for being worthy of our worship. God, would you just activate your family, your church of God to go love people and may that love always be based on the love you put in us the love you've poured in us, the love you've demonstrated on the cross. God, help us never, ever, ever take for granted or get over the amazing reality that you love us. Wow. 
Add to that, God, that you know what we're thinking right now. You know everything we've ever done. You know all of our rebellion and all of our stupidity and foolishness. You know all that, and you still love us. And God, I'll close just by praying a prayer on Relentless Church that we may be, that we would never be a church that abandons our first love. Center us on your gospel today and forever. In Jesus' name we pray and go. Amen. Have a great week.